0: the 2375th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline 8th of February 2024. The readers this week are myself, Mel, Alison, John and Jean with Bill on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Poker composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Bruyere. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch and Forum Focus and are their copyright. For the week beginning 12th of February, the sunrise time is 07.18 and the sunset time is 17.10. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision... And Enfield Vision, we are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a dropping morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bush Hill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday the 15th of February, Thursday 21st of March, Thursday 18th of April and Thursday 16th of May. For further information, please contact us on 0208 373 6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on 07899 She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Alison will read the lead story.
1: Our first story is taken from the Enfield Dispatch and the headline reads, I won't be intimidated by Enfield Council. The pensioner preparing to take on Enfield Council in court over its decision to lease Webbs Park to Tottenham Hotspur says he won't be intimidated by the authority. Friends of Webbs Park chair... Sean Wilkinson is bringing a judicial review case against the Council's decision and is currently preparing his arguments for the case that will be heard at the High Court from 6th to the 8th of February. However, before then, a cost capping hearing was due to take place on the 30th of January, shortly after the dispatch went to press which would determine whether Sean would also become liable for the council's legal costs should he lose the case. It means that while an impressive sum of 18000 raised so far through an online, online crowd funder has met Sean's initial target for fighting his case, he could face further costs of between 20000 and £40,000. Sean told the dispatch last month that he was really pleased with the tremendous response to the crowdfunder and that he was really grateful to all the White Web supporters who had contributed. However, on the cost-capping issue, Sean said, when we sought permission for the judicial review, the judge agreed there was a case and also awarded cost protection, which limits, limits the costs, that can be claimed by the winning party, to £5,000. But the council and Spurs, as an interested party, have appealed the decision to provide cost capping. I understand we have a reasonable chance of defeating that, but you can never be certain. I think it is a form of intimidation. That's what it is. I think it is a way of trying to stop me going ahead with the case. However, Sean adds, I am not going to be bullied into standing down on this. We have to stand up for what we believe in. The council has said in response that, as a publicly funded body, it is right and proper that it seeks to cover its costs in the case. It was last November that Sean, who is chair of the Friends of White Webb's Park group, was granted permission for a judicial review of the Council's decision to award a 25-year lease to Tottenham Hotspur, which wants to set up a new women's football academy on the site of the park's former golf course in northern Enfield. The Council agreed in October 2021 to hand the lease for more than half the park to Spurs if its proposals for the parkland win planning permission. It sparked a backlash from local residents, with multiple protests being staged. The Premier League Football Club wants to create new training pitches in the northeastern corner of the park, amounting to 18% of the total area, close to its existing training complex in Whitewebs Lane. But the lease also includes land to the south of this, where Tottenham Hotspur plans to restore areas of historic plan- parkland, The judicial review will consider Sean's arguments around the way that the lease was awarded, rather than the merits of the decision itself. This means the main focus of the case will be on how the council consulted local people and took opposing views into account. A council spokesperson said... Enfield Council is confident that proper legal processes and procedures have been followed at all times leading up to the award of the lease at Whitewebs and expects to be successful in defending the claim. In these circumstances, as a publicly funded body, it is right and proper that the Council takes all reasonable steps to enable it to recover its legal costs. Tottenham Hotspur FC declined to comment. To find out the outcome of the cost-capping hearing at the High Court on the 30th of January and to follow the judicial review hearing itself on the 6th of February, visit enfielddispatch.co.uk.
2: And interestingly, there's a current case taking place as we speak and I understand it's going quite well. OK, local voice is needed. Now is the time to get involved if you want to influence the final version of Enfield Council's new local plan. Enfield, a borough with rich history and a vibrant community, is at a pivotal moment. The decision made today will reverberate for generations. Enter the new local plan, a blueprint that will guide Enfield's development, housing and environment until 2041. The clock is ticking. We've just a month to make our voices heard. This is your chance to influence the future, to advocate for homes, green spaces and sustainable growth. Before the local plan debate, at the full council meeting on March the 6th, our elected representatives should reach out to their constituents. They should discuss aspirations for the homes, the environment and the delicate balance between progress and preservation. It's crucial conservation that one bridges the gap between policy and people. We encourage members to contact their ward councillor and request a ward forum where plans can be discussed. I also know for a fact that one of those took place recently. A summary of the proposals for each ward can be accessed on the forum website which is wwwmfieldover 50 forumorguk and it includes the details of how to contact your councillors. In 2021, the draft local plan emerged and received 7,267 written responses. The need for additional housing and affordable housing was undeniable but they were so concerned about the deliverability and the lack of infrastructure to support the growth. Proposed the number of tall buildings, proposed the release, and also concerned about the release of the green built, Excuse me, <clears throat> greenbelt land. The revised plan is targeting 35,000 new homes by 2041. That's a staggering leap ..from the draft proposal in 2021. These numbers are far in excess of the London plan targets... ..and would mean one new home for every four existing ones. Building these homes would require building on Greenbelt... ..roughly 40 times the size of Enfield Town Park... ..justifying the residents' concerns about the sufficiency... ..of the infrastructure such as roads, schools primary health care, and green space for health and well-being. Enfield's not alone. The Council should consider its strategic role within London, as directed by the Mayor through the London Plan, where each borough, including Enfield, has a role to play and a housing target to reach.
3: And this is from Enfield News, winter of 2024. Uh, and there's a news in brief. This is printed out by the Enfield Council. A series of news in brief. Angel Edmonton to receive 11.9 million funding, investing in Enfield. Enfield Council has been successful in its bid for funding from the Levelling Up Fund, with up to 11.9 million pounds being pledged to go towards projects to improve. The lives of Upper Edmonton residents and regenerate the Angel Edmonton area. The provisional ward of up to £11,902,562 from the fund's third tranche aims to increase footfall, create local jobs, reduce crime, and encourage active travel and create a more attractive environment. Uh, next bit is new street sweepers in every ward from Cleaner Enfield. A new approach to st- street cleaning has been rolled out across Enfield. Residents will now see the same dedicated Enfield Council street cleansing operative sweeping their ward on a regular basis. The street sweepers will pick up litter, remove lead, re bleh, excuse me, Weeds and report any large dumped items to the fly-tipping team for investigation and clearance. Visit Enfield Council on YouTube to watch a video of one of our street sweepers. And there's a picture of Councillor Rick Jewell with Street Sweeper Tony in Brimstown. Next, a fresh vision for Broomfield Park. This is from Greener Enfield. Enfield Council has received initial support from the National Lottery Heritage Fund for their project, Unlocking Broomfield Park for the Community. Made possible by National Lottery players, the funding will develop a plan for dismantling the derelict, burnt-out shell of Broomfield House and reconnecting the, the house and park through memorialization interpretation and landscaping which will include res- restoration of the unique baroque water garden. Next item is raising the participation age supporting young Enfield. There are many pathways for young people to choose from after their GCSEs. This could be a route to higher education, further education, apprenticeships or a career. Enfield Council's participation and inclusion team are on hand to support you with advice and information. Visit Service for latest information on drop-in session, case studies, and resources. For the latest on the Meridian Water Skills Academy, where you can upskill or train in the construction workforce, Go to www.meridianwater.co.uk for more information on the upcoming recruitment day. And the final one is Action Against Car Meets, Safer Enfield. Enfield Council has responded to calls from residents whose lives have been blighted by people who congregate at car meets. The Council is looking to secure a court injunction to give police and enforcement officers extra power to protect residents. Evidence to apply for the injunction is currently being compiled and will be presented before the courts. Find out how we are tackling car meets by visiting our community safety page, enfield.gov.uk, services, community
0: safety. And now an article from the Enfield Dispatch. Non-emergency housing repairs put on hold by Enfield Council. Enfield Council has placed non-emergency housing repairs on hold until further noticed amid increasing costs and high demand for services. While requests for non-emergency repairs are still being recorded, the Council warned on its website that the work will be programmed for delivery at a future date. Asked to clarify what constituted an emergency, a council spokesperson confirmed the types of repairs prioritised would be damp and mould, electrical safety, heating and lifts maintenance. The website says the focus going forward is on issues that impact the health and safety of residents. How severe cases need to be to be considered a priority is not specified. The postponement of non-emergency repairs by the council has been happening since 27th of November. In a statement, the council spokesperson blamed a perfect financial storm caused by government cuts, increasing repair service demand and inflation. They said, The cost of living crisis has meant more residents are turning to us for assistance, while the costs of delivering our services have increased threefold as a result of inflation further explaining the reason the spokesperson emphasised the need to prudently manage the budget going forward given the rising costs of fuel and material. For non-emergency repairs, residents will receive completion dates as packages of work are compiled. Repairs reported up to the date of the change will be completed the usual way. The spokesperson instructed residents to continue to log non-emergency repair requests via the council website as cases are still being recorded and reviewed on a weekly basis. They added appropriate action would be taken to resolve works especially relating to vulnerable households if necessary. Despite the concern that, w- that could arise amid the change, the spokesperson said results from a recent survey of tenants carried out by the council found satisfaction rates with housing services had improved year on year and satisfaction overall was above the benchmark when compared with other landlords.
1: Our next article is again taken from the Enfield Dispatch. The headline reads... Government seeks closure of cemetery. One of the largest Turkish cemeteries in the UK is facing closure after the government said its owners had repeatedly failed to make necessary improvements and ensure the safety of burials. The Ministry of Justice last month announced its intention to apply to the Privy Council for an order requiring burials be stopped at the privately run Tottenham Park Cemetery in Montague Road, Edmonton. This would mean no new burials would be permitted, except where plots have previously been reserved. Visitors to the existing graves would still be allowed. The move follows two government-ordered inspections, which found remains were being unlawfully disturbed during the burial process. Complaints about the site were first raised by Enfield Council, Tottenham Park Cemetery Action Group. Baroness Merrill Hussein Eke, who is part of the group, as well as local MPs. Justice Minister Mike Freer said, The people buried in this cemetery were laid to rest, and the repeated disturbance of their remains is not only illegal, but a breach of trust. I believe it is necessary to seek this closure to ensure that Tottenham Park Cemetery can safely serve its community in future. Enfield Council attempted to buy Tottenham Park Cemetery last year, but then-owner Peter Demetrio rejected its offer. He subsequently sold the site to British-Turkish businessmen Mustafa Dari and Ersin Savas. Co-owner Mustafa Dari has defended the continuation of burials at Tottenham Park Cemetery. He said, Any application to close the cemetery will be strongly opposed. This purported intention to closure is motivated by individuals with influence within the Ministry of Justice and Enfield Council for personal motives that have nothing to do with the cemetery and its current operation. The closure of the cemetery will be a disaster for the community and the users of the cemetery. A forced sale will put the cemetery into unscrupulous hands, looking to shut it down completely and possibly redevelop. Council leader Nesil Kaliskan told the dispatch, I have been calling for the closure of it for a long time. It is clear that this site is full and it is outrageous that it continues to be used.
2: Who runs London? What is the Greater London Authority? How important is it to people in Enfield? With elections for the London Mayor and the London Assembly due in May, the Forum thought it was a good idea to have a look at what the Greater London Authority does. Joanne McCartney, a London Assembly member, spoke to Forum members at the end of November to explain how it all works. The Assembly is a scrutiny body, examining the decisions and actions of the Greater London Authority to ensure promises to London and Londoners are delivered. Members investigating the effects of London questions. The Mayor gets ten times a year when he has a, a question time and to contact public meetings and more. There are 25 Assembly members with 14 elected by constituents. 11 on a proportional list, and Joanne is a member for Enfield and Arringay. She served as a local councillor in Enfield from 1998 to 2006. As well as examining the Mayor's actions and decisions, Assembly members act as champions for the Londoners by investigating issues that are important to the capital. These investigations are carried out by a cross party committee, which cover vital areas like transport, uh, policing, housing, planning, the economy, health, and the environment. And the Assembly can press for changes to national, also to the Mayor or local policy. Joanne explained that the Mayor has no statutory responsibility for health, but has a duty to try to decrease health inequalities. To that end, the London Health Board has been established, which sets set a London-wide target for everyone to work towards. She admitted that the expansion of the ULEs has been controversial, but said it's had real health benefits. The Mayor signed up to the worldwide initiative to make cities age-friendly. The GLA is trying to make outdoor spaces and venues more age-friendly for the instance of provisions of more free, accessible public toilets, particularly opening up toilets on the underground free of charge. The majority of the mayor's budget goes to Transport for London and the GLA views the over-60s Oyster Pass and the Freedom Pass is very important. TfL depends on the government subsidies and needs capital investment from the government for the infrastructure. When TfL sought extra funding due to Covid lockdowns, the government agreed only a condition that over-60s and freedom passers were restricted to travelling after 9am or 9.30 on the overland. Joanne and the other Assembly members will continue to press to have this lifted. Joanne said there's a big programme, Get Online London, Try to provide training for people who are digitally excluded but acknowledge it's a widespread problem. And also, if you intend to vote in the uh, elections, you will now need photo ID. And you can use your bus pass for that.
3: And on that note, I'm reading an, an article from the Enfield News put out by the council. Elections, no no ID, no vote. Voters in England must bring physical photographic identification when voting in person at polling stations. For residents in Enfield, this will mean that when voting in the mayor of London elections this May 2024 and in other UK parliamentary local government or referendums Photo IDs, such as a driver's license, passport, or travel pass, will have to be shown. According to the new rules, anyone who intends to vote in person must hold an original form of ID, not a copy on a mobile phone or tablet device. Otherwise, they will be turned away from the polling station. A list of the some of the accepted forms of ID are in the table below, which I'll read out shortly. Don't have an ID? Residents in England can apply for a free voter authority certificate, which acts as a photo ID when voting in person at a polling station. Alternatively, voters can opt for opt in for a postal vote, as it does not require a photo ID and can be applied for easily online. Enfield Council's returning officer and chief executive Ian Davis said everyone who is registered to vote should have their opportunity to have their say in elections. This is why it's extremely important to get prepared from now. Check what kind of photo ID you have and make sure you bring it with you to vote. Another easy and efficient way to vote is to do so by post. For this, you will need the address where you are registered to vote and your national insurance number or other identifying documents, such as a passport. By registering and applying now, you can be sure your vote will count. All the information you need on voter ID can be found on Enfield Council's website. Visit www.enfield.gov.uk backslash voter ID. You need to be registered to vote before applying to vote by post or for voter authority certificate. To register, please visit www.gov.uk, register to vote. The next mayor and London Assembly elections are on Thursday the 2nd of May 2024. Remember, register to vote, choose how to vote, proxy, postal, or polling station, and bring any form of acceptable photo ID if voting at a polling station. And here's that list of accepted ID. Passport issued by the UK, any of the Channel Islands, the Isle of Man, a British Overseas Territory, an EEA state or a Commonwealth country. Driving license in, issued by the UK, any of the Channel Islands, the Isle of Man, or an EEA state. Biometric immigration document. Identity card bearing the proof of age standard scheme hologram. A pass card. P A S S card. Ministry of Defence form 90. That's nine zero. Defense Identity Card, a Blue Badge, National Identity Card Issued by an EEA State, Older Persons Bus Pass, Disabled Persons Bus Pass, Oyster 60 Plus Card, Freedom Pass, Voter Authority Certificate or a Temporary Voter Authority Certificate. For any further queries, please contact the Electoral Services on 020-3821-1813.
0: And now, an article from the Enfield Dispatch. Homes allocated to station car park. A Conservative councillor has described the allocation of housing at Oakwood Station's car park as inappropriate. The latest draft version of Enfield Council's local plan, which will go through a final consultation exercise in March and April, allocates up to 52 homes for the car park behind the iconic Art Deco tube station. While the local plan site allocation does not mean there are any existing housing plans for the site, it will encourage potential developers to submit a proposal. Like both Cockfosters and Arnos Grove Stations, where housing schemes have won planning permission in recent years, Oakwood Station has two car parks, with a large one to the rear and a smaller one in front. The draft local plan allocates housing for the rear car park only. However, Oakwood Councillor Julian Sampson has criticised the move. He told the dispatch, My initial reaction is that the loss of the car park at Oakwood Station, along with similar plans at Cockfosters and Arnos Grove, is at best a perverse idea when we're trying to get more people to use the tube. Given that the proposal is for a 52-home tower block, it is at worst an inappropriate development in the wrong place. TfL has been pursuing plans to build homes on a number of outer London tube station car parks in recent years, with Mayor Sadiq Khan stating in 2021, TfL is one of the capital's largest landowners and it must continue to transform its surplus land into the new homes that London desperately needs while also delivering a vital long-term income stream that can be reinvested into the transport network. And now a more
1: positive story from the Arts and Culture section of the Enfield Dispatch. The headline reads, Tributes paid to immensely talented founder of Edmonton Theatre Group. Facefront Inclusive Theatre CEO John French has died, age 56. Tributes have been paid to the co-founder of a groundbreaking Edmonton Theatre Group that has provided a platform for disabled actors for over 25 years. John French... Who helped establish Face Front Inclusive Theatre in 1998 and continued to run it as joint CEO, died aged 56 on the 1st of January following a short illness. Based in Edmonton Green, Face Front creates accessible theatre for schools and the public with disabled and non disabled performers putting on shows and activities that transform the lives of disadvantaged people, as well as highlighting social injustice. John was also a director of Broken Silence, a drama group run by Facefront for disabled adults, and most recently co-directed The Hero Next Door, a professional show for young audiences which toured nationally last summer. John was an Enfield Borough resident all of his life, living in Palmer's Green. Annie Small, MBE, a Face Front co-founder and previous artistic director, said of John, his legacy will live on through the many productions that he was a part of and the many lives that he enriched. John was Im- an immensely talented and creative theatre maker, Actor, facilitator, choreographer, and director. And he was an exciting, compassionate, witty, and intelligent colleague who will be profoundly missed. Ray Downing, Face Front's current artistic director, said Having just celebrated 25 years of Face Front inclusive theatre, We have had the opportunity to reflect upon all the wonderful and groundbreaking work that has been achieved by all the people who have passed through our doors. And John French was a constant, steadying and creative presence throughout it all. Whilst the performing industry has lost a legend in the field of dance and theatre, we feel the loss of an esteemed colleague and a most excellent friend. Catherine Thomas a Facefront trustee and co-founder, said, John embraced Facefront in the same way that he embraced life, with dedication, loyalty and humour. He immersed himself in every project with creativity and commitment. Words cannot express our loss. He was more than just a colleague. He was an ally and a friend. He will be sorely missed by all of us in the Facefront family. Roger Cow, Chair of Trustees at Facefront, added, John was a key member of Facefront from the start, participating and encouraging others and leading performances for all our 25 years. Latterly, as co-chief executive, he was instrumental in helping to continue Facefront's success, adding a backroom role, making sure our finances were in order and that the board was fully informed. His many qualities will be sadly missed. <clears throat> Prior to his time with Facefront, John worked extensively with Kandoko Dance Company as one of their founding members.
2: You may have heard there's a change coming to telephone lines. The switch to digital uh, landlines may affect telecare devices and access to emergency service during power cuts. The current analogue landline network needs to be replaced because it's old and it's becoming difficult to maintain. The new digital lines use an internet to make phone calls. It offers better quality calls as well as some additional features such as protection from scams. For most networks, the move to digital landlines will happen by December 2025. Providers will contact their customers ahead of the change to let them know when they'll be making the switch. In almost all cases, you will be able to keep your phone number and you will not need a new handset. However, while this all sounds good, there are some concerns that the switch to digital landlines may affect telecast devices and other equipment, such as personal alarms and security alarms, if they're connected to your phone line. Unlike some traditional corded analogue phones, a digital phone will only work in a power cut if it has a battery backup, because it runs on using your home electricity. In these instances, the phone companies are devising, I correction, advising people to use mobile phones as a backup. If you're dependent on a landline phone, for example, if you don't have a mobile, or you live somewhere where there are no mobile single, then your telephone provider must offer you with a resilient solution to make sure that you can make emergency calls during the power cut. This could be a mobile phone, if you have a signal, or a battery backup unit that connects to your landline and provides power in case of a power outage. If you have any questions or concern, contact your telephone provider and remember that changes like this can attract scammers. So be careful. If someone calls and asks for your information or money, do not give it.
3: This is another article from Enfield News, the Enfield Council uh, little pamphlet. Raring to go at Reardon Court. Construction is well underway at Reardon Court, a new and modern extra care housing scheme in Winchmore Hill, led by Enfield Council. The development is for people aged 55 years or older who wish to live independently but may require extra care and support to do so. The 70 fully accessible, self-contained flats being constructed by Graham will be for London London affordable rent with the on-site care available 24-7. Residents who are eligible for the scheme are encouraged to register their interest ahead of completion. Enfield Council's Cabinet Member for Health and Social Care, Councillor Alev Kazimoglu, said the thoughtful design of this scheme will encourage healthy, active, and sustainable living, emphasizing social inclusion and community engagement to prevent isolation and loneliness. Our aim is to improve the lives of older adults Balancing Independent Living with an Enhanced Sense of Security. Cabinet Member for Social Housing, Councillor George Sava added, we are proud to be delivering this genuinely affordable, specialized housing for older people in the borough, to help them live independently, but with access to care and support. For some, it will be an essential alternative to residential care, and for others it is an opportunity to downsize to a more accessible environment. Importantly, we are increasing the supply of affordable rented accommodation in Enfield. Enfield Council successfully secured ten and a half million pounds of affordable housing grant funding from the Greater London Authority to move the project forward. Construction is expected to be complete by late spring 2024. To register your interest, email Reardon—that's R-E-A-R-D-O-N Reardon Court at Enfield.gov.uk, or call 020 8132 0942. A care assessment will be carried out to understand your needs and determine if you are eligible for the scheme. To be eligible, people will need to be age 55 and over, eligible for social housing under the Enfield Council Housing Allocation Scheme, eligible for social care services under the CARE Act, and require the availability, availability excuse me, of on-site care in need of accessible and flexible living environment and be living singly or as a couple. Extra care housing is the type of housing with care. At Reardon Court, residents will live in a self-contained flat with their own front door, but staff will be available 24 hours a day to provide personal care and support services. These are tailored to you Reardon Court is owned by Enfield Council. The care provider will be a separate organization. The scheme will include 70 brand-new homes with a central courtyard, a hairdressing, treatment room, an activity rooms, lounges, an allotment space, and Motability Motor Store. Find out more at www.reardoncourt.com. And there's a pretty picture of the Reardon Court
0: with their courtyard for meeting and socialising. And here's an article from the motors section of the Enfield Independent. Safety fears as many drivers admit to not fully clearing windscreens. Almost half of all UK motorists admit to not fully clearing their windscreen of snow and ice before driving off during winter months, according to a new nationwide survey commissioned by Autoglim. 1,000 car owners across the UK were asked if they ever drive off before their windscreen is completely clear of snow and ice during winter months, and 48% answered yes. That's 14% yes most of the time, plus a further 34% yes sometimes. The issue becomes more prevalent among younger motorists with 70% of those aged 25 to 34 saying they drive off before properly clearing ice or snow compared to just 23% of those aged 64 and over. Section 41D of the Road Traffic Act 1988 makes it a legal requirement to have a clear view of the road ahead before you set off, which means the windscreen should be fully de-iced on the outside and thoroughly de-misted on the inside. Failure to do so could result in penalty points and a fine, as well as creating a significant risk of a collision with other road users. The requirements are also enshrined in Rule two two nine of the Highway Code. A de-icer spray kept in the car must be ideal, might be ideal, for combating ice on windscreens But many people have resorted to more unconventional and less effective solutions. In the same survey, consumers were asked, what unusual methods have you ever used to clear ice or snow from your car windscreen in winter? 38% admitted to using a credit or debit card to clear their windscreen. 36% said they have used their gloved or bare hands. And 17% said they use a kitchen implement such as a spatula. 10% have used salt, 4% a book or magazine, and 2% said they have even used a mobile phone. I wonder how they did that. A further 4% stated they have used a range of other tools and techniques, which include scraping ice away with a piece of Lego or applying hand sanitizer to the glass. On a chilly morning, consumers understandably want a rapid result, but some alternatives to de-icer are certain to do more harm than good. An alarming 50% of 18- to 24-year-olds said they use boiling or hot water to melt the ice, compared to an average of 33%, a method that results in a dramatic temperature change that can crack reinforced windscreen glass. Only 14% say they have ever used a dedicated vehicle de solution or scraper rather than resorting to some of these unusual methods.
1: Police probe hit and run from the Enfield dispatch, February issue. Detectives continue to appeal for any information as they investigate a hit and run on the A-10 in Edmonton last month that killed a young woman who was out walking her dogs. Laura Maria Sonne Demetrius, aged 28, was run over at around 7:23 p.m. on Tuesday, the 9th of January. Her two dogs were also killed. While a 17-year-old boy was later arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving and failing to stop. He was later bailed and has not been charged at time of going to press. The dispatch understands that the incident happened at or near to the pedestrian crossing adjacent to Berry Lodge wetlands. Detectives are particularly keen to speak with the driver of a red Audi who was in the vicinity of the collision at the time it happened. Laura's family launched a crowdfunder to cover funeral expenses, which raised more than £10,000. Sister Gina Sone Demetrius said, ''I'll miss everything about Laura, her smile, the way she laughs, and even annoying her. I can't believe that I'll never see her again.'' ''You could never expect this to happen to your family.'' especially my older sister, who I looked up to and who protected me. It's so traumatic. The police investigation into Laura's death continues. Anyone with dashcam footage or who witnessed the incident should call 0208-597-4874 or 101 Quoting crime reference number CAD 5858 09 Jan.
2: And the next is the barriers to healthcare. There are all sorts of reasons why people find it difficult to access healthcare. But we need to persist if we want to stay healthier for longer. And this is an article by Glenn Stewart who is the Assistant Director of Public health, Enfield. Excuse me. <clears throat> Having a son who thinks he knows something about health is undoubtedly annoying, particularly if he works in public health and can be slightly removed from the practicals of accessing health care. So here's the story of getting my mum referred to hospital and the practical issues along the way. About four months ago... I had to wait twice whilst walking with my mum, panting to get up a hill. This was not normal and definitely not, as as I'm just not very fit. So whilst I was pleased to hear that she'd rung the GP that week, I was slightly exasperated that she said it wasn't urgent and the receptionist said she couldn't have an appointment so she nearly fell at the first hurdle, but still running. The GP referred her to hospital for a diagnosis. Secondly, after the diagnosis, Mar then decided she didn't want to be taking any medicine for the rest of her life. Fair enough, and I suspect that there's some disguise worry here, but sometimes life can be pretty short if you don't follow medical advice. I suspect that Mr Stewart has something to say about this too. Thirdly, Margot a letter telling her where and when to be available for an operation. Obviously, she didn't know where to go because parking is so bad. And now I know hospital parking is a controversial issue. Should it be free? If so, should the loss of revenue be found? Should people use public transport, walk, cycle, etc.? But this was a bit unavoidable pay parking charges have potentially life-changing operation or not. When we were set for the operation at the beginning of December 2023, however, in November, Mar got a nasty cold and took medication which interfered with the medication she'd been prescribed for the operation, so it was therefore cancelled. Some of these things can't be helped. We are now expecting a reschedule operation by the end of January. I'm a little sceptical it will happen due to the doctor's strike. Hopefully, we'll be given enough notice to have a scrabble around too much when the appointment arrives. However, even if it's delayed, we have gone from denial of an issue to a willingness to have an operation. In the meantime, Mar will continue taking her medication so her condition will at least be managed. So what do I think of all this? Sometimes people have to be pushed to do what's good for themselves. Sometimes arguments are really just getting the new reality. What sometimes events can't pass through, cannot be helped, but a little bit of persistence, Mars life will be improved a little bit.
0: Well, dear listeners, we have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Mel, Alison, John, Jean and Bill on the controls, it's goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app, or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying "Play Podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper." Don't forget, you can call Diane De Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899854582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.